Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, August 13th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Lyft drops. It's the latest company with rough second quarter earnings. Small and medium-sized businesses in the U.S. are doing even worse. U.K. economic data for the second quarter is out, and it's not good. Plus, a look at the legacy of American media mogul Sumner Redstone. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Uber stemmed losses in the second quarter thanks to its food delivery service, Uber Eats. Lyft only offers ride-sharing, so it doesn't have anything to cushion the blow of the pandemic on its business. The company reported a 61% drop in revenues in Q2. It had a severe drop in ridership to thank for that. But the company did say it's seeing signs of recovery now that cities are starting to open back up. Meanwhile, Cisco Systems had a warning for investors yesterday. The networking equipment company said it expected to see a drop in sales over the next few months, one that's even bigger than it's already experienced. It caused the shares to drop more than 6% in after-hours trading. Now, we usually focus on how the pandemic is affecting the biggest, most powerful companies on the show. But small and medium-sized companies are hurting, too. Companies in the Russell 2000 stock index, this is the small cap benchmark, had a complete wipeout in profits in the second quarter because of the crisis. Data provider FactSet show that these businesses have reported an aggregate loss of a little more than a billion dollars. That's compared to nearly $18 billion worth of profits a year earlier. A marketing strategy analyst at BNY Mellon Investment Management pointed out a few reasons why smaller companies are taking a hit. She said that small-cap companies don't have as much cash on hand as bigger ones, and when it comes to reducing costs, they don't have as much flexibility either. Plus, these companies have been relying on government stimulus. Now that it's dried up, small businesses are once again searching for capital. Meanwhile, much bigger companies within the S&P 500 index fared better. They posted a 34% aggregate drop in earnings. The UK economy has fallen into its deepest recession on record. It suffered a bigger slump in the second quarter of the year than any other big European nation. The British economy is now about 17% smaller than it was before the pandemic. Most of that decline happened in the second quarter of the year after the country went into lockdown. National income shrank by slightly more than a fifth, the biggest fall on record. So why has Britain's economy been harder hit than other developed economies? Gavin Jackson, our economics leader writer, has some answers. Hi, Gavin. Hi, Mark. Gavin, the data show the decline in UK GDP this year has been second only to Spain among European neighbors. What are analysts saying about this? So most seem to think that it's because the lockdown lasted for longer in the UK than in many of the other European countries. So it it took longer for the UK to bring the rate of coronavirus infections down than it did in other similarly hard-hit European countries. And that meant that shops had to stay closed for longer, pubs had to stay closed for longer, and and, and all of that. So that struggle with the public health side has really also hit the economic side of its response to the coronavirus. Right. You know, you mentioned pubs and, and restaurants. What other sectors of the economy have been hit hard? So as you might expect, it's the sectors that rely the most on people being in close contact with one another. So, um, you know, that means hospitality. It's education, that's who has shrunk. Um, 
So that's a bit of a problem for the UK, where its economy is very heavily dependent on services. It's got quite a small amount of its national income that comes from manufacturing. Um, the pharmaceutical sector, which is one area where it's still competitive in manufacturing, has actually grown during the uh, coronavirus pandemic. How did uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak react to the GDP data? Is he going to have to do more to support jobs in light of all this? So Mr. Sunak responded by telling Britons that hard times are here. Whether he does more or not to support jobs will largely depend on the spread of the virus rather than the past economic data. The furlough scheme, which is meant to protect workers from unemployment, is coming to an end in October. So far, he is resisting any pressure to change that, saying yesterday that the government should not pretend that absolutely everybody can and will be able to go back to the job they had. Right. And, you know, a lot of eyes are on, on Mr. Sunak right now, um, especially because he, he's reported to be considering shelving his autumn budget if there is a second wave of the coronavirus. Um, what are the arguments for and against this kind of delay? In favour of the delay is the uncertainty facing the government. It was originally scheduled for September, but Mr. Sunak may not have sufficient visibility to make long-term plans while the next stage of the pandemic is so unclear. There are also reports that the Treasury is concerned that announcements on spending cuts and tax rises would not go down well if the country is still in the midst of fighting the pandemic. Businesses likewise face uncertainty. The government may not be able to set out its own plans for the next five years, but it could provide some guidance for companies who are not sure how they will make it through the winter. Gavin Jackson is our economics leader writer. Thanks, Gavin. Thank you, Mark. Sumner Redstone, one of the last larger-than-life media moguls, died yesterday. He was 97. Mr. Redstone invented the concept of the multiplex, a theater that would show numerous movies at once. He also bought Paramount Pictures and built a television empire that created or swallowed household networks like MTV and Nickelodeon and what's now known as Viacom CBS. Our U.S. media correspondent, Anna Nicolau, told me he was last century's innovator. Back in the day before streaming, cable was actually the big disruptor of traditional TV. He kind of pushed that forward and made made those cable channels what they became, which was, you know, the most popular place, especially for young people, to view entertainment. He also was kind of known for just being, you know, I don't know if ruthless is the word, but just ne- never timid. He kind of famously fired Tom Cruise after his big jumping on the couch at Oprah, despite Tom Cruise being the biggest movie star in the world. So he, w- he was very much kind of a, a rough and tumble kind of guy, and he basically through sheer will, forced his way into being one of the most important, influential people in Hollywood. Some of the things you mentioned, cable, he was known for multiplex theaters. These are no longer the disruptors they once were. In in fact, uh, we're kind of being moved away from these things lately because of streaming options and, you know, because of the pandemic. Uh, Considering how fast media is developing, could Mr. Redstone's contribution to the field be forgotten? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's actually a really excellent question. And we saw kind of in the final decade of his life, it became pretty obvious that his way of doing things was no longer the norm. Just in general, in Hollywood, not only with Me Too, but just in general, kind of people keeping a lid on things more in public. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at Succession on HBO, Logan Roy is very much so an adaptation of Sumner Redstone, particularly in season one. So yeah, I mean, I think it's true that these these figures are becoming less and less relevant every year. But in a way, that's kind of what makes them fun. We don't really get these kinds of people to write about these days. Um, at least, at least in, in the business world and politics is different. But 
in terms of you know CEOs of major companies, he was kind of of this generation that really just said whatever they felt like. This kind of absurdity and outsized personality that is now being fictionalized on TV was really his real life, and it was that way pretty much up until the end for him. Anna Nicolau is the FT's U.S. media correspondent. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Mark. And one more thing about Mr. Redstone. He has a story more dramatic than anything the writers of Succession could conjure up. Back in 1979, he survived a devastating hotel fire in Boston. How? He climbed out of a window and hung onto the ledge until he was rescued. He had to have lengthy operations and stayed in the hospital for four months, but he lived to tell the tale. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.